So I'm excited to announce our SpeakSex partnership with Old Playground. Um, this is our first sponsorship relationship and it took us almost two years to agree to a sponsor and I think this speaks to the value of oldplayground.net which is a lifestyle-centric website and a one-stop shop for all your resources, questions, needs, um, research. Uh, on having an open ethical monogamy. Uh, it's not necessarily only polyamory, it's not gender specific, and it's not so much about uh, meeting other people as accessing videos, information, and then deciding if you wanna try things out. Uh, so as we open up our sexual space to include acceptance and to include a different version of commitment, relationship commitment and monogamy that allows us, uh, no matter who we are, to uh, have exchange with more people uh, in a respectful, inclusive way. This is a place where we can go and get started and uh, you can find even podcasts like our podcast will be featured. Um, so if try oldplayground.net. Welcome to Speak Sex. I'm your host, if you really see. I am your sex whisperer here in the internet. And today I have with me Dr. Cara Quant. Hey, Cara. She's Hello. with us from LA. Uh, Dr. Quant is an internal medicine physician, and she's also the founder of Viva La Volva an organization that educates on female sexual health and wellness, uh, mostly through the arts, but, you know, through all media. So La Volva's mission is to break down the barriers that stop men and women from talking and learning about female sexual health uh, in a way that transcends race, culture, age, and geography. And I feel that we're both on the same mission because that <laughs> <laughs> That's it our sounds mission like too. it, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you do it, you know, our mission on Speak Sex is mostly to find the words, the language, right, and, and give people um, a new vocabulary, find a way to rewrite our sexual narrative, which hardly existed mm -hmm. except from a place of like shame and secrecy and, um, and objectification and, you know, rape culture. <laughs> And um, and I and I and I feel that in order to do that, we have to unlearn before we learn. Yeah, mm -hmm. we have to kind of yes. unteach uh, our social conditioning and unteach all of our like uh, judgments and social judgments in order to then replace them with something like healthy and positive. So yeah. and you do that more with uh, through the visual arts. Am I right? I do you put together shows exhibits, yes. uh, events, yes. yeah, that bring the community together in, in that quest for uh, change, basically, right? Social yeah. change. <laughs> yes, yeah. in a big way. Um, yeah, my uh, Viva La Vulva has been around for a couple of years now, started in 2018, and that was when our first art exhibit was, and so it's bringing both the art and the medical communities together um, and having very powerful, powerful conversations around women's sexual health. Um, so I brought in artists who did some type of depiction of female anatomy um, and then uh, had near each piece some information about women's sexual health. Like, did you know that there is 8,000 nerve endings in the clitoris and that the only use of there, the only... Um, uh, uh, function of it is pleasure. There's no other function of the clitoris. So that information, amongst many other the types of information, were on the walls uh, in regards to women's sexuality. Right. Um, and, the and, more, then and then bringing panels. Sorry. 
And the more pleasure, I just want to say, and the more pleasure, the more fertility, the more longevity for our little species. <laughs> yes, yeah. I, I, yes, I completely agree. I think that the, <laughs> the more people uh, bring pleasure into their body, whether it's sexual or non-sexual pleasure, but even the sexual pleasure, the more that you masturbate, the more that you have sex with a partner, the more that you explore, I feel like the longer you live. Yeah, the longer you live, and you live from a place of expansion and not constriction, right? Instead of being like tight and uptight, you live from a place of openness and, and yes. empathy. And then once yeah. you stop judging yourself, you can like move on and not judge others. Mm. <laughs> so, wow, that is, that, to me, that's pretty revolutionary, um, you know, bringing us together so that we can heal each other from, you know, this uh, heavy weight of, um, I guess, Judeo-Christian patriarchal oppression. Mm. And yeah. yeah. And, you know, I would say most of the, um, the participants or the people that were at the exhibit, uh, many males came up to me afterwards and was like, I did not know this information. Like, I didn't know what my partner was going through. I don't know, or I didn't know what, you know, my mom and my sister are going through in terms of periods, in terms of, I mean, we just covered a, a wide range right. of yeah. issues. Yeah. Um, and it was, uh, it was gratifying to hear that from uh, the males out there that they, they didn't know this information, but they're glad that yeah. they came yeah. to the panels or came to um, the opening night. So it, it was, it was a lot of, um, uh, awareness on my part of like what information is missing. I know there's a lot of information, but like what oh, there's so much is information missing. What missing. <laughs> hold on to, yeah, yeah, what people hold on to. So, um, yeah, what do good. people hold on to? You think, uh, in terms of like the from information, that, yeah, from the information, like what strikes them as most, uh, I mean, I, you know, I, I do agree. I think it's a disservice to men. I'm giving you a moment to think. <laughs> it's a disservice to men that we just take it for granted that they know what to do and they know how to behave and they know how to behave with every woman, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And so uh, it puts them in a, in a, in a really, uh, you know, awkward, misleading position socially. And of course, like their only recourse is some form of rape, meaning let's just get it over with. Let me just ejaculate and because I don't know what I'm doing and no one is telling me. And she, yeah. you know, and if she f has feelings for me, she expresses them by pretending to like it because that's how she shows me she likes me or she loves me or she wants me. So it's like a, a clusterfuck, you know, a mental clusterfuck where <laughs> no one tells the truth. That's a perfect word. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And we keep perpetuating, <laughs> like we're going down this, you know, this like rabbit hole, um, but but none of it it's, is honest and we can't begin to access our honesty. You know, there is no like standard, right? Yeah. So yeah. I feel that the, the fact that you're a doctor and, you know, you, it gives you a... A, a perk, you know, it gives you the the social, let's say, status or respect, unfortunately, but that's how things are, right? So it gives you an, an, an ability to integrate right and left brain, um, which we need to do, all of us, in ourselves, you know, yeah. more readily because, you know, you're an MD, so people feel like, okay, this is not like, you know, an XXX convention, you know, I, it's... <laughs> I can I can hold on to well, yeah, but but that's the judgment, unfortunately. That you know, is, yeah. Even though mm -hmm. adult means we're all adults, we're not you know twenty, we're not eighteen or sixteen. Um, Depending on where you are, it has, yeah. yeah. But it, it has that extra, um, you know, extra moral judgment, that extra value system that's kind of like yeah. demeaning. Um, and I feel that that's because we reward the masculine. So like medicine is like the masculine side of our mind, you know, it's like numbers and, you know, concrete information. Logic. Logic. And, yeah. Yeah. And like pleasure is like a feminine part, you know, indulgence, uh, you know, uh, un lack of whatever, clarity, intuition, all that. So, yeah, yeah, I think that you have definitely, a, <clears throat> you know, a, a stronger 
a stronger voice in the current system because you come mm. from the medical profession. Yeah. And, and thank you. Um, and I think the reason why I wanted to do this is because I felt like it was, it was, a, it was two parts. It was like a personal thing. I wanted to do it for myself because as a young adult, um, I would go to clinics and I would, uh, ask questions regarding sex around sex and the doctors that I saw in these clinics didn't know much information or like weren't answering my questions the way that I guess I wanted them to be answered. And so I, I, I have always wanted to be that doctor that people could come to and ask very frank questions, ask questions about sex and get good information or get at least resources that they can go to in order to help them if they're having pain with sex or problems with orgasm or um, on the male side, uh, erectile dysfunction or premature ejaculation. There's a lot of things or problems or issues that um, I feel like patients don't feel like they can address because they don't know if their doctor can handle it. Um, so I've always wanted to be that doctor. And what I realized in medical school and in uh, residency for myself is that there was not a lot of information about women's sexual health, about you know what treatments there are or what resources are out there like sex therapists and pelvic floor physical therapists. And um, so I did not, I started doing my own research in order to find this information out. Um, so I think it was also uh, wanting to um, educate the medical community about like what is out there, like what women go through and what resources are out there for. Oh, that's us. like, that would be like an amazing, uh, you know, initiative to actually get doctors to take, uh, you know, workshops and, you know, attend conventions twice a year where they catch up and learn on what's happening in the, in sec in the sexual health and wellness realm yeah. and how to talk about it and how to approach it, right? Because they would, they, as we just said, you know, they are like a respectable source of information and they get one-on-one yeah. -on -one time with so many people. Um, and if they can bring the conversation into it, just ask the question. I'm sure people would love to kind of like share, you know, and, and, and kind of like speak their truth because of where they're at. They don't feel yeah. so much that they're judged. You know, if you can talk about like whatever your incontinence or, <laughs> right, uh, you feel comfortable talking about everything that your body goes through. Um, but I yeah, that, and there's some women that, that, or men, there are some people that just don't feel comfortable with talking about it. Or when they do, it's just very like, it's at the end of the visit. So it's like, hey, doctor, before you leave, before you walk out the door, let me tell you about this thing that's been going on that I've had on my mind throughout maybe most of the visit, but I didn't tell you because I was yeah. embarrassed to talk about it. Yeah. Um, so that has happened a lot of times. And um, that's where the doctor uh, I mean, has to ask studies. to open space What's for that. You know, if the doctor says, you know, by the way, then, you know, the, pa the, the patient doesn't feel that, you know, they're taking up their time or that, you know, maybe they're doing something and, you know, that, that that's, doesn't fit in. But I feel that um, it's important to, you know, educate our, our doctors, our medical community, um, not to come from a place of uh, illness, you know, and disease, you know, because do doctors are so much trained mm -hmm. to like fix things. But here, you know, with sexual, sexual wellness, we don't even have a standard of health yet. <laughs> so, you know, no, we don't. Right. So <laughs> to call don't. everything like therapy and come up with like, you know, medical treatments and drug treatments and surgical mm -hmm. treatments when we have hardly like, you know, established the language of like, you know, what works and how do we go about being better, taking care of ourselves sexually? Yeah. Well, we have that. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, um, uh, that brings me to a quote that I saw recently um, talking about uh, illness versus wellness. And if you take out the I in illness and change it to we, it'll be oh, wellness. Yes. And yes, I feel like that yes. was such a great quote because um, there are so many people going through illness 
Um, but I feel like uh, if we come or as we come together in circles, especially women's circles, but just circles in general, men's circles, um, uh, coming together as a community can really help other people to know what other people are going through um, and relate that to what we are going through. So I feel like that's, yeah, it's just such a great quote about illness to, to wellness and yeah. focusing on it. Um, there are a lot of uh, conferences that are out there. I mean, I've attended these conferences because I wanted to know more information around uh, women's sexual health. Um, there is one called ISHWISH, which is the International Society of the Study of Women's Sexual Health. And um, they do talk about treatments. I mean, they, you know, it's medical community, doctors um, of all kinds, family practice, OBGYN, uh, urology, that come together, sex therapists, pelvic floor physical therapists, all coming together to learn this information. But a lot of it is based on, well, if a, a woman has a issue with orgasm, then these are medicines or these are treatment options for her. Um, and uh, I do believe, I mean, even though I'm coming from Western medicine and this is what I've been taught, um, I do believe that there are other ways of coming up with a solution or um, with experiencing more pleasure in the body um, rather than focusing on the problem per se. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think part of it, again, you know, speaking of like the society prevalent overall strong masculine slant is that, you know, pleasure, investing, investing is even the wrong word, seeing how that like monetizes things. But like, you know, taking time out for yourself, you know, taking, giving time to yourself and to your pleasure feels these days like an indulgence that we should not, you know, that it, it feels like a self-indulgence that's almost like not morally acceptable, you know, when we have so much that we're busy with and catching up, you know, with in the world, technology are changing and evolving quickly and home and, you know, responsibilities, bills, right, children, to take like half a day off <laughs> you know feels yeah. like almost perverse it feels like perverse you know like you feel like yeah wow well you know like what is wrong with me that i want to spend more than like five minutes right uh, with my sexual uh, self with my sexual energy <laughs> when like so much yeah. is going on in the world as if yeah what you know <laughs> uh, that's where yeah, we it, start it feels, yeah it feels yeah it feels self-indulgent and and I mean I could even speak for myself on that like there's times where I'm like I need to unplug I need to get away from social media I need to get away from uh, just do something that like is calming and relaxing and self-care focused um, but oftentimes that can feel selfish or it can feel like this is not right. Like I should be working and doing and going. And, right, right. Um, but I think a large part of our, especially us as women, is to yeah sit back, relax, yeah, yeah. self care, yeah. take care of yeah, yeah, take care of ourselves. But you know, for sure, for women, be a little selfish. For sure, for women, and I, you know, I don't think it's selfish. I think it's holistic to create a balance because we're, you know, pushed too much to be in our masculine kind of like achiever. You know, be like the man out there in the world aspect, and you know, we need to to find our balance by spending more time in our feminine, you know, pleasure loving, relaxing, you know, uh, whatever nourishment, nature, you know, children, home, that aspect. But I feel that for men too, you know, if they take time off by themselves, they will discover their own sensations better and then they can receive better when they're in a couple. You know, if you take like, as a guy, three hours or four hours, right? And you experiment with yourself, you know, in masturbation or toys or whatever, fantasy, then you learn these things and you learn how it feels and you can introduce it, uh, you know, more confidently, right, to your uh, exchange, to your sexual exchange with a partner. So I think it opens up everyone to give ourselves time um, and it's an expression of self-love, like even touching yourself, you know, taking time to touch your skin and, yeah. and feel how you feel to your fingertips is important because this is all you, right? And you don't want to 
only depend on like other people to yeah exactly like hug yourself <laughs> hug every yes. every part of you you know like touch base and say we're here you know like yeah um and, and yeah actually a, a sex therapist has uh, taught me that about um what is it called sensory awareness Uh, but it's basically where you yeah take some time out to just be with yourself and to touch yourself, not in a sexual way. You're not touching your breasts. You're not touching your vulva uh, or your penis. You're not touching um, any kind of more pleasurable parts of yourself, but you're doing um, just touching over your body, just seeing how, since they focus, that's what it's called, um, seeing how your body feels, right. you know, the different are, sensations, like uh, focusing on those. Right, and there are like five types of touch, at least, so you can start with the most, let's say, you know, innocuous and move on to, you know, something a little more sexual or, you know, a, a little or more invasive or more experimental, you know. Yeah. Um, but you see, it's just an issue. Like even saying saying it <laughs> feels like what? we're bra- speaking it. Just saying it, much less doing it. You know, just saying, talking about it. You know, to some member people in the audience will feel like icky. It will feel like transgressive. It will feel like there is a a barrier of propriety that we are crossing, right? And we shouldn't. So I think that's the that's the important thing that we are, you know, working around all the time is how to yeah. marry, you know, let respectability, you know, respect and and uh, social uh, acceptance in general, right, and prestige with what you know what is natural for all of us in our yeah. in our physical realm, in our physical and sexual existence, um, yeah, and. That is easier said than done because we have like what two thousand years, I guess, <laughs> at least maybe more. <laughs> Judeo-Christian twenty-five hundred years of ongoing kind of like you know propaganda and you know yeah. mental brainwash against yeah. it, against it all. And I don't think it's because patriarchy is you know supporting the man. I think you know patriarchy is supporting the rule of the patriarch, right? The father, the the ones in charge, you know, the ones who are like monetizing and controlling the whole system. And mm-hmm. and our sexual experience is chaotic and unpredictable. So it can't be so simply quantified, you know, and put Yeah. It, yeah. Well, I think that's what your your podcast is about, right? Like speaking sex, like talking about sex, communicating it, communicating what you want. Right. right? I'm trying to do a number of things. You know, one is to just base at the most basic level, expose the audience to all kinds of, you know, conversations about sex and all kinds of people talking about, you know, sexuality just to kind of make it familiar, <laughs> to break down that, uh, you know, self-consciousness. And yet, and then on, on the next level, you know, I'm, I'm trying to help people get new words, you know, new ways to express what they feel or what they want, words that don't come with all that judgment, you know, uh, th- that, that can be freed from like the whole like moral uh, or, or, you know, critical uh, Im, Im, you know, uh, imperative, let's say. So that's that's not easy, you know, because yeah. we kind of have put sexuality in a corrupt space. <laughs> we have, yeah, we have. And sinful, <laughs> which makes, you know, makes no sense with logic, but logic, you know, is always like kept apart from sexuality unfortunately yeah Yeah, exactly and I think that when you get into your you know when you get into the groove of sex with a partner or even by yourself logic kind of goes out the window right like it just it goes out the window and we are allowed to just be in a space and like uh, with a partner or by by ourselves uh, where we're just enjoying the sensations and the feels of whatever comes up. Um, and uh, yeah. And I think that that for, for myself has been um, a little hard because I have been trained to, to think very left brained, you know, like a, a very logical, 
um, if this, then that, if someone comes in with this type of condition or these type of symptoms, and this is what I'm supposed to do. And so, um, and I feel like that's for much of society, uh, rather than like feeling what is going on in the body. And I think that's the reason why I wanted to do Viva La Vulva and create it is because I wanted a space that allowed me to be more creative and to be more right brained <laughs> because it, it uh, we have a full brain and we, we don't even use all of it. And so um, just figuring out different ways for, for myself um, as therapy, as uh, solutions, education, problems, as yeah. education, as yeah, a lot of different things. And so, um, yeah, using your right brain, um, yeah. that more maybe feminine part, that um, more sensation focused, or um, it's you know not as logical. That is a good thing to tap into every once in a while. Yeah, on a regular yeah. basis, actually. Yeah, not every once yeah. In a while. on a regular basis. Yeah, to create like balance with ourselves because you know most of all we are this like you know physical body and if something goes off with this physical body then all of our grand schemes and master of the universe you know <laughs> ambitions stop so as we have experienced right during the pandemic our, our yeah. extraordinary logistics you know uh, organization failed us so hey <laughs> like the left brain is definitely you know uh, i think uh, not as as um ubiquitous and you know it's as we assume you know we cannot control nature and we cannot control ourselves just by you know just because we uh, have the delusion that, that we can <laughs> yeah so it's better to accept you know just accept what is accept you as what you are and keep learning you know who you are and and how to live your life in the best most balanced way and do yeah. it actively like you did, you know, bring it out in the world, like, you know, bring more people into it. Um, and it's a labor of love. It's, you know, it's yeah. a labor of also hope and belief in each other. Right. Yeah. 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 And, you know, like I, I, um, I feel like we all have a gift or gifts that, you know, we have to that we can choose to bring into the world. And I think Viva La Vulva is one of the gifts that I have given to the world because this is, as you know, this is a very taboo topic that we're talking about. We're talking about sex. We're talking about something that is very fundamental, like basic. We need to do it in order to survive, in order to continue generations on. Um, but there's a lot of Stigma. Uh, stuff, mm -hmm. stigma, mm -hmm. shame, embarrassment, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. all types of stuff that is like uh, interwoven into this topic. And so um, talking about it in a very, um, just like to normalize the conversation, I feel like is, is great, especially for women. Um, I think that for men, you know, like there is, it's not as... Uh, from my perspective, um, I think for women, it's a lot harder to talk about sex or to like get pleasure or to um, be okay with saying no, talking about boundaries. Um, I feel like it may be a little bit harder for women than for men. And so um, just normalizing the conversation. It's, yeah. it's not But also like look topic. at what the conversation has achieved. You know, like a generation ago, there was no idea of what, date rape was. No one understood, spoke of coercion being an extension of consent. You know, if the guy, if you started by saying no and you ended up saying yes to sexual encounter because the guy wouldn't give up, that was considered consent, right? Mm. It was not, it, it, it was, you know, if you were kind of pressured and pressured and pressured until your only choices were to call 911 and report a non-existent basically rape, right? Or just give in uh, and you gave in then you told yourself okay you know I gave in I consented so I guess you know whatever I shouldn't have put myself in that situation where I was like alone with the men so we've got we've come from there to now right and we're trying to you know educate our younger men about you know uh, this this sort of like respect that includes 
listening to what the woman says and wants and preparing the woman because if you know how you know the female body works then you know you can get yourself that acceptance you know a sexual acceptance or a sexual invitation in ways that are uh, you know more inclusive than uh, force either physical or verbal <laughs> or financial yeah. you know all of those you know other other ways of kind uh kind of like uh, making yourself uh you know g- get inside the woman's body when she really doesn't want you there um yeah and and i feel that you know the stigma is what has made uh, us kind of like delay so much in getting here because those who talk about it openly a lot in public um, get, you know, stained. They get marked in some way, right? Yeah. So you lose some of your of that social value, um, and uh, you know, it, it's uh, it, again, you know, it, it, it's a task worth pursuing. It's worth giving up, whatever that. <laughs> yeah, um, it is. You know, I, I was going to say, or actually what that, um, what I thought of when you said that is uh, a party that I went to pre-COVID, pre-coronavirus, a party that I went to a couple of years ago, actually in promotion of Viva La Volva. Um, and these were, I would say, 30, between the ages of 30 to 60. And I had a conversation talking about Viva La Volva. And I remember having a great conversation with these other women and there were some men that were in it, but it was mainly women about orgasms. And we just had a great conversation about like, you know, how often we have it or don't have it or like what feels good or doesn't feel good. It was a great conversation. Women of different races and ages talking about at a party it wasn't it wasn't a sex party it was just a regular party having a conversation around orgasms and i thought that that was that just brought joy to my heart because it was um I mean, who talks about orgasms at a regular party? Exactly, exactly. <laughs> Even the word, you know, the word itself, like, you know, <laughs> makes everybody re- react differently. Like, what? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's what we're talking about? That's what we're talking about. <laughs> given up know, all the more, pretense? <laughs> yes, yeah, yes, and the more people have. heard it, like, you know, the, the it was almost like the group kind of grew bigger. The more people heard it, the more like, Oh, what are you guys talking about? This is an interesting topic you guys are talking about. Let me join in. So I think that, um, people are thirsty for the information they want it. They want to talk about it. Um, but it's finding the right outlet, the right, um, platform to do exactly. it. Exactly. It's a matter of platform that's accessible and, you know, and acceptable to most people. And I do think that, uh, you know, people of color are especially oppressed, especially women, you know, women of color. Um, I don't know if you have a, a, your own view on why that is. I, I feel that, um, you know, when you have that, that legacy of oppression and suffering, right, um, you don't dare ask for more in a sense, you know, you just, the, you know, have been in survival mode for so long, mm. basically ever since, you know, more or less they came to this country. So, you know, the idea that not only you want freedom, not only you want equality, not only you want some basic rights, but you also want to like have a good time and, you know, yeah. have pleasure and be respected. Like when you're naked in private feels like that's too much to ask. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, well, as a black woman um, and as a doctor, like I feel like, yes, there has been um, the topic is there's, I think, more embarrassment and shame around the topic amongst the African-American community. Um, And I think because much many of the women have been actually many black people are sexualized, you know, it's. strip clubs and um, oh yeah exotified yeah exotic yes exactly um uh so there's just there is a lot of stigma around the topic especially for um people of color black people 
um, in particular. And uh, I mean, that is also another thing that I want to bring to the, the art exhibits is talking about these topics um, around sex and diversity um, because it can be considered dirty. I mean, like I, I know growing up, um, uh, I'm non-denominational or, or at least growing up, I was non-denominational. Um, so going to different things like Catholic churches and, um, Christian churches and, um, the, the, and being amongst black people, we didn't talk about sex. We didn't talk about masturbation. We didn't talk about, you know, having, having sex or sex is pushed off until marriage. Like you don't do that. You don't, no one touches you. You don't do that. And so what about the people who are having sex? Um, where, where's the information? Who can I go to that, that I can trust, um, to give me good information or, or, or uh, regarding either protecting myself or, um, the pleasure of sex. Um, so I have also wanted to be the, the voice that, you know, people can come to and talk to about whatever they want to, um, and get either resources or, um, some, um, things that they tips, things that they can do, uh, in order to make sex more pleasurable. Um, but it's, yeah, it's, it's a big stigma within the black community. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I compare it, I know what I'm going to say is controversial, but that's really what I believe. You know, I think that the same way that women, um, even, you know, even through feminism, they they have earned some freedoms by embracing the masculine. So, um, you know, the only way basically for a woman to get respect, you know, uh, at, at the level of, Men getting respect is to go out there and get a job that men could do and do it as well or better than the men and, you know, dress as close as she can to the man in some sort of uniform and sound like a man, her voice, her vocabulary, all of that, right? Um, oh. And we do not pay motherhood. We do not pay, you know, for our, our, our own, you know, pleasure time. We, all of that is completely devalued. So in the same way that like women, even through their own efforts as feminists, you know, have gained equality by copying the men. I feel that, you know, you know, people of color have had to kind of internalize um, like white men's world and, and copy it and behave in that way in order to be accepted and, and get a little a modicum, right, of power <clears throat> and equality. So, yeah. Um, I mean, well, well what? I'm oh, sorry. Yeah. So, no, it's the old saying, like, you know, you don't take down the master with the tools of the master. I, I feel that, you know, both is, uh, we're, all, we're oppressed for sure. And I feel that, you know, it's true for both people of color and women in particular that, you know, we can only find our own authentic voice and authentic power by, you know, by not replicating the system, by not fitting in too much, you know, by not yeah. trying to be like what we consider the normative majority. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I think that is the reason why we're in where we're at in terms yes. of... Uh, Black Lives Matter in terms of the movement that's been happening in terms of protesting for George Floyd and Breonna Taylor and all of these other people who have been um, killed by police violence um, or just white supremacy in general. Um, voices have, I think that in particular, black voices in the past or and still it continues to happen. Um, have been repressed or uh, black people feel like they don't have a voice or uh, whatever it may be. And so uh, I think that this is the time <laughs> where more people are speaking out about what matters to them, what matters to us. Um, and yeah, that's a big thing. Uh, I'm not going to be paid as well because I'm black and because I'm a woman. I'm not going to, you know, be respected because of what I look like. And so that, that's not, it's not fair. Um, and so there is protesting that's happening and, you know, we, we would like to live in a just society. Yeah. Which America, that's what we want to. 
Yeah, which America purports to be, <laughs> but yeah, no, I don't think it is. Yeah, and and it, what what matters is for us to remember this, you know, so it doesn't like pass, and then we go back to our usual to life. normal. But yeah, yeah, yeah. So mm -hmm. there is like the the optics, and there is the performative. You know, people going out to the streets, and you know they have been cooped up anyway because of the you know quarantine and <laughs> yeah. But there is also like the authentic change. You know, how do you? In, you know, incorporate and internalize that so that you change the way you think, you change the way you treat other people, you know, you, you change, you check in with yourself every day um, and, and make sure that you have stayed true to that. And I feel yeah. that that's what, you know, will make the, the world, you know, change forward, like move forward into this yeah. millennium we're in, the new millennium. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. Um, and, and, uh, in terms of the medical community, cause there's so many, um, racial injustices in different places. So within the, um, like the jail system, within, uh, the working system, within the medical system, and in particular the medical system, it's, it's, Uh, why do black women have poor health outcomes when it comes to childbirth? Why do yeah, women, exactly. black women have uh, either they die from childbirth. It doesn't matter what socioeconomic status they are uh, or have more complications from it. And, and so there are a lot of injustices that can be um, uh, taken care of um, by speaking up more and talking about it. Um, and I also think that the education around it yes, for, yes, um, yes. you know, medical students or maybe even before medical school, but in particular for training doctors um, to have more ongoing conversations about the injustices that, that are in place that can be changed. Um, access to healthcare Um, Access uh, to healthcare is huge. I mean, I just can't even, you know, as, as someone who was born in Europe and spent like my life just going to the doctor for free until I came here, you know, the, the idea that, you know, there isn't free healthcare for every citizen in the richest country in the world is, you know, inconceivable to me. Um, and, It is. And then, you know, when you do the math and you see how profitable private, you know, uh, healthcare companies are and how much money they spend to keep things the way, you know, they are, then yeah. you have an understanding of the reasons why. And so, yeah, we have to, you know, if it takes like staying on the streets and asking for this specific, you know, uh, specific rights. And I feel that access, free access to healthcare is a specific human right. If we have the doctors and if we have the hospitals, <clears throat> we should be able to go in. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And there are, um, there are county facilities. Um, but yeah, you're still paying, you're still paying out of pocket for something. There's still places where you can go either like free clinics or, um, county hospitals. Um, if you can't pay, then you can't pay, but Uh, there is some cost to it. You're not just getting it for free. And so there's a lot of people that, I mean, I mean even from my own experience, I've had patients that I want to order a CAT scan on because I feel like this is indicated based on what their symptoms are. I want to rule out appendicitis or I want to, you know, rule out something. And they're like, well, how much is that going to be? Like, how much is that CAT scan going to be? And I'm like, I don't know how much it's going to be. Honestly, I don't know how much that's going to be um, for you out of pocket. And uh, just to even have that conversation about, you know, like my health depends on how much I can pay or not pay. That is, it's, it's horrible. It really is. It's, it's, yeah. it's horrible. And yeah. yes, everyone should, everyone within the U.S. should have access to healthcare, free healthcare. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And it would cost nothing, like considering the money that gets wasted on so many other things. On And, so many other things. Yeah. yeah. And I saw like... Uh, Health insurances uh, put out a notice that people who get COVID by attending protests will not receive health care. I mean, 
first of all, like this whole I mean, how do you even, tracing, how do you even I know, how do figure you, that out? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> They're just trying to keep people at home. But like, why do you participate in a political discussion? Like just, you know, mind your business. Um, you know, they're trying to basically control the conversation through fear. Yeah. So it's always yeah. fear. It's like fear of the body, fear of being shamed, fear of being shunned, you know, fear of being ostracized. So, you know, whatever we may think or, or we suppress, we don't dare speak up because we don't want to be outliers and outsiders and get out of like the main feed. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But I, but you know, at this point, like things are, are changing and shifting. Yeah. In a major, I think in a major think so way. Too. Yeah. And we are having these conversations yeah. that otherwise we wouldn't have had. So yes. I think that it is, it is a, a great time that we're in. If we yes. can, if we can see the silver lining and if we can see that there's like uh, I hope, no, I feel some massive transformation that's happening. Yeah, I do um, too. I and do if too. we continue, if we continue that, then uh, we can get to a place of equality. Yes, yes, yes. Hallelujah. <laughs> so, you know, I do feel like the dream solution would be for an army, you know, like an army of volunteers, maybe organized and, and paid by the government, who go out there and engage people and teach them, you know, um, about, about, you know, their, their physical needs, you know, the best, the healthiest things to eat and how to practice them on a, you know, sustainable long-term basis, the best ways to, you know, the best to, type of water to drink, the best way to, uh, you know, exercise, um, you know, uh, what, what things in their house are toxic and they should address. And then the yeah. same with their body and their mm. physical pleasure, you know, the best way to relax, the best way to have an orgasm, the best way to find mm. pleasure, the best way to express yourself within that, right? To like know how you feel and say it. So it's, yeah, it's all interconnected and it's the realm of the body, which is the realm of the feminine, that we're, you know, the domestic, the domestic sphere and it has been yeah. ignored for centuries. Yeah, and and I think that it it is up to us uh, as women to to take it back, to yeah. reclaim it. Yeah, to we need to reclaim it, yeah. own it. So there's there's a lot of people that are out there that you can connect with either on oh, social yeah. media yeah. or um, uh, you know different programs that teach this information about how can we be more holistic? How can we stay away from yeah. the medicines yeah. um, and more to and be like less, what we put yeah. in our body on a regular basis? Yeah. And be less needy, you know, less dependent, less passive. So, you know, like kind of like remember that we are in charge of our well-being and then we're in charge of the well-being of our children and their children, you know, and so like kind of like keep, those priorities in mind instead of having the priority of like fitting in or making a few extra dollars because it feels like, you know, the, the domestic realm, which is the, the realm of actual wellness instead of illness, right, um, is not being monetized. So that's the way that like the patriarchy controls our values. You know, what you get paid the most for is like what what you should consider good and what you don't get paid for is what you should ignore and yeah. not discuss, you know, yeah. which includes everything from like grocery shopping to, uh, you know, raising your kid. <laughs> like that which huge, is a huge category. Thing. I mean, yes, yeah, women, yes, for a woman to raise her children. I mean, I've never raised for a free. kid, but like, for I know free. I've seen it with my mom. I've seen it with, you know, friends of mine. Like it's, it's an, it's not an easy feat. It is not an easy yeah, feat. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah. And that's I another mean, even, one of yeah, my... Even like the mm -hmm. uh, maternity leave, like, you know, getting paid or how long amount of time a woman can get paid to be on maternity leave where she's taking care and raising a child, of yeah. course, or with or without a partner, but like raising a child. Yeah. Um, and yes, there is a huge value to that. Yeah, exactly. And the society owes us. I mean, that's been one of my pet peeves and I've talked about it pretty much, you know, since the beginning of the podcast that I think, yeah. you know, motherhood should be paid. It should not be something that we do for free for like, you know, 20 years, basically for the rest of our lives when it's 
the most time-consuming and the most important work we do, you know? So instead of like having to go work a full-time job and then take care of our children and, you know, go grocery shopping and feed everybody and clean up and do all of that stuff, I think it should be reversed. There should be an income for for when you are a mother and then you can do your work, you know, your outside work, uh, non-domestic work, for extra income or not, but you're not dependent on it, you know? Yeah. It kind yeah. of like uh, bring value to what, you know, women do on uh, on the feminine, uh, you know, realm of our lives. Uh, yeah. I think that would change a lot for sure, In- including like the dependency of women on the men that they are, you know, either married to or, you know, somehow with. In a relationship. In a relationship, yeah. yeah, where so often women feel like, you know, if I want someone to take care, take care financially, I have to pretend and lie. And so, yeah. Yeah. And it does, yeah, it doesn't need to be that way. I believe, I mean, well, women uh, need to be empower more. And and it is happening to where there are more women in power and talking about women's related issues. Um, And it needs to continue. Yeah, yeah. It does. It needs to continue. Yeah. Yeah. And there are, um, you know, like the big companies out there like the Googles and the Amazons that I do believe give maternity, like more time for maternity and even paternity leave. Um, um, so I, I feel like there are, there's shifting. There's definitely shifting that's happening um, and focusing on that continue shifting. Yeah. Well, yeah. Uh, this conversation, you know, is, is key, you know, education and speaking about it is definitely key to like, you know, growing our understanding and yeah. sharing these thoughts. So, yes. Well, thank you for coming. Thank you for speaking with me. And again, congratulations on Viva La Volva. I hope that you take it, you mm-hmm. know, to many more places and keep growing it. <laughs> and that is what I plan it. on doing. That's great. That's great. Yeah. Yes. I love that. Thank you for having me on. And My yes, pleasure. I appreciate you and I appreciate what you're doing. And I'm glad that we have come together to have this conversation because. Um, yeah, I feel like uh, there is syn- synchronicity in this world and that the more that you align with your passion, the more that you meet other people that are along the same journey. So I'm happy to have met you and yeah, have you done this, this interview together yes, and yes. Um, uh, continue normalizing the conversation around sex. Yes. Amen. Normalizing it. Yes. Amen. <laughs> Thank you. And thank you, everybody, for listening. And until next week, speak sex and believe Eve. So we're excited to announce our partnership with oldplayground.net. It's the site to go to if you're in any way curious about what to do next in your sex life. Love incessantly, I would be gone.